are listening to another episode of the Coach's Circle Podcast, brought to you by LifeCoachPath.com. Our goal is to explore all the different ways you can craft your own career in the fields of coaching, wellness, and mental health. Each episode features guests who offer an authentic perspective on their own unique career path and explores ways you might begin to craft your own. For more information on who we are and what we do, visit www.lifecoachpath.com. And now, here's your host, Brandon Baker. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Coaches Circle podcast. Today's special guest is Jen Klesman. She is a licensed clinical social worker and therapist with Cityscape Counseling in downtown Chicago. Hi, Jen. How are you? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Um, awesome. Thanks for joining the show. Yeah, of course. Alrighty. Uh, I want to give listeners a clear understanding of, of the work you do uh, before we mm-hmm. get into more of the nitty gritty details. Um, yeah. So just tell everybody about about your background, um, a bit about your educational background, and um, and I guess we can transition into some of the challenges that your clients face when when they come see you. Sure. Um, so yeah, I, I started uh, with a bachelor's in psychology. Um, and then ironically, I thought I wanted to be a psychologist because that's usually what, you know, we see on TV and learn about as far as therapists <laughs> right, are. Right. Um, I never wanted to be a social worker, um, until I realized that it is a much faster course to the same outcome really. Um, is that it was like a two year program, a uh, master's program rather than going the route of a PhD. Um, so I then went to Boston university and did their clinical social work program. Um, where I worked initially with high school kids in the inner city of Boston and then war veterans <laughs> mm-hmm. um, because I told them I wanted to have more trauma experience. So they're like, well, here's some war veterans. <laughs> um, <laughs> That'll do it. So, yeah. Yep. That will do it. Um, and then I returned from Boston back to Chicago where I'm from. And I actually started working in um, an inner city school on the South side of Chicago Um, which was a therapeutic high school for kids that, like, didn't do well in the larger school setting. Um, And I was there for about uh, two years or so. And then they lost their contract with Chicago Public Schools. So then I learned that, unlike Massachusetts, Illinois needed, like, another certification to work in high school, um, which is something I wanted to do. So I had to go back and get another year of graduate school um, to just be certified as a school social worker. Um, cause I did like working with kids. And so I ended up doing that for about seven years. Um, and then, uh, basically what brought me to private practice was just kind of lifestyle that I like to travel. Um, I like flexibility in my schedule. Um, and just whenever anybody who goes to kind of high school social workers, kind of like a counselor, right? They find a great job and they stay there forever. Um, so the schools and available positions were drastically farther than I was wanting to travel outside the city. Um, and so I just kind of looked at my plan B and that was looking at, you know, private practice. Um, and yeah, I ended up at cityscape about three years ago and I've been just, yeah, been on this path ever since. And I'm pretty much going to stay. Okay, perfect. Um, I actually want to, before we get to the next topic, I guess I wanted to pick up on something that you mentioned regarding private practice versus, um, you know, social work within an institution And Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you, I guess, what were your considerations at the time when you were, I guess, were at that phase when you were deciding between the two? Um, For somebody who is 
who is trying to decide in that early stage which direction to go. Can you just talk a little bit about, as you see it, the um, the different considerations with those two choices and the positives and, and negatives? Sure. I mean, one thing that comes to mind when you say that is like, because um, people come to me and ask like, well, there's different branches of counseling, which is like the psychologist, there's the licensed professional counselor, and then there's social work, um, all which can do the same exact thing. Um, but social work is, I mean, obviously I'm biased, but from what I've understood, just from also speaking to other like licensed clinical professional counselors, is they're a lot more limited to what kind of, you know, career path they have. They're just going to go do counseling. Their field is far younger than social work. So people just kind of know, yeah, they're professional counselors. So that's what they do. Whereas social work has, you can do so many different avenues. For example, I mean, I was in high schools um, doing just kind of, it was still counseling. It just looked a little different because I worked um, with a lot of special education and, and helping that. Um, but yeah, you could work, obviously, we're kind of known for DCFS or whatever acronym it is in New York or wherever you are, the Department right. of Child and Family Services. Um, social workers are kind of associated strongly with that. Um, but they really work in just so, a variety of, of settings. Um, it's very flexible um, as far as like, well, I didn't really like doing one thing, but I can still use my degree and apply it to somewhere else. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, All right. So something else that a lot of uh, young coaches or young therapists or um, whatever avenue those listening to the show are yeah. thinking of taking, one challenge that they face really is um, deciding, you know, their educational path. And, you know, mm -hmm. with coaching specifically, I know that um, there is no kind of, you know, set standard for, right. for you know, for, for coaches. You know, there is the ICF. Of course, the ICF is doing great work with regards to coaching. Um, but for a coach, for an aspiring coach who is maybe their heart really more is with therapy. Their, their heart really more mm -hmm. is with possibly social work. But they, they, they see coaching as a, as a quicker educational path to reaching their goals. What, what would you say to somebody in that position who might be thinking along those lines? Um, I mean, I guess the way I, this is how I kind of think about it is like, at what point would I as a therapist point someone in the, in the direction of a life coach um, is usually when they want to focus more so on life path, um, career, and like whatever they want to do with themselves in the long term, opposed to like with therapy where we work more just, you know, obviously, in mental health, right? Like, are you, you know, how are you dealing with day-to-day -day life? How are you, I mean, there is always the fact that, you know, mental health will kind of come up regardless. Yeah. Um, but like how you're kind of taking care of yourself and like what kind of path you, or what's realistic, right? Um, if necessarily, you know, if you can't necessarily afford an income or, or sorry, a master's degree, then you're going to kind of be, a, you know, stunted, I guess, in that regard. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so I want to also discuss something else that, that coaches uh, contend with, which is finding a niche. So your particular niche, you specialize in trauma. And um, that's kind of like the area of focus that you found yourself in. So how did you come to that area of focus? Um, what, what kind of considerations would you suggest to a coach who is trying to find that niche for themselves? That's a good question. Um, 
I mean, I, I personally just kind of find that that's just a fascinating work because of the way people can grow dramatically out of trauma, um, because obviously it does do, you know, so much damage depending on how you handle it and, and move forward. Right. Um, it can kind of change your view on the world, your view, your interactions with people, um, you know, your sense of safety, et cetera, depending on what happened. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I personally just found that fascinating. I was very drawn to that. Um, and meanwhile, it also encompasses things like depression and anxiety, um, which is something we see day to day with people. And so a lot of times with trauma too, we're managing the day to day symptoms as well as, you know, touching on whatever the event was. Um, but yeah, trauma just, it sometimes pops up in places we don't expect it to. Um, we're just like it, people kind of casually mention something and then maybe the word trauma is also passed around very you know, easily. Yeah, um, if you really, yeah. yeah, is that like, especially if we look at the global pandemic, that's traumatic, you know, mm-hmm. for a lot of people. Uh, other people may not see it that way. But also, uh, when it comes to trauma, your perception of it as well will affect kind of ha- how you handle things and how you and how you react to it. Um, and like I said, like depression, anxiety kind of comes up across the board um, when I see clients and. I also work too with, you know, um, kind of self-discovery and like self-worth and self-esteem. Um, and, and also kind of like when I say life goals, I, I what I'll elaborate on that for a second is that we co- I see a lot of people come out of college and high school, you know, constantly starving to get that perfect grade to kind of make it to that that college they've been aiming for. But like life doesn't have grades. And so how do you measure your success? How do you measure your worth after that? Um, I work with people a lot in that regard, too. Mm. That transition from that quantitative type of mm-hmm. assessment that you get in school to the more yeah. real world, so to speak, um, where there's a lot more gray and yeah. it's not quite as cut and dry. Interesting. Um, I, yeah. Yeah. So I, I also wanted to touch on something that you mentioned and i'm going to get back to covid because i feel like it's the elephant sure. in the room that a lot of coaches are contending <laughs> yeah they're they're contending with it now and i feel for anybody who is getting into the field now um yeah. although it does create a lot of unfortunately a lot of opportunity for for coaches and therapists who um there there's no mm-hmm. shortage of um people who who really are wanting to seek out help um, so I, I'm, yeah, so I'm definitely going to get back to that. But I wanted to quickly touch on something that um, I read about you um, in your bio, and it said that your your mm-hmm. work is committed to integrating uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, which I think anybody listening to the podcast would be semi familiar with. Um, but you also mentioned dialectical behavioral therapy um, mm-hmm. and and commitment therapy. So I wanted to allow listeners to, I guess, get a better sense of what that actually means in practice. So maybe specific examples of how you work to, to integrate those um, different yeah. techniques. Yeah. So dialectical behavioral therapy originally was um, founded by Marsha Linehan and originally directly for people with borderline personality disorder um, to kind of manage intense emotions and, and interpersonal skills. When really, and over the years, we realized, oh, wait, everyone can use these. So dialectical behavior therapy, also known as DBT, um, is very skill-based. It's very much like, you know, when you're overwhelmed, you know, if you're kind of feeling like you're at an 11, so to speak, you know, how do you come down from that? You know, they have skills, but such just as an example, they have an acronym called TIP, 
which is temperature, you know, um, intense extra physical exercise and pace breathing. You know, those are three different things that you can kind of turn to, to kind of, to actually, you know, calm yourself down. Um, it also has a whole branch of interpersonal skills, um, and mindfulness, which is sometimes mixed in as meditation. Um, sometimes those are, those words are used interchangeably. Right. Um, and, uh, so yeah, it's a bunch, it's a ton of skills that like, you know, give people really concrete, okay, the other, sorry, the other branches, emotional regulation skills as well. Um, and so, yeah, kind of, kind of throwing those into therapy whenever people need them. Um, especially like if you have a very important conversation coming up, you know, the interpersonal skills actually are very good at like staying on topic, continuing to like, you know, be flexible, but you know, still keep asking for the same thing that you want. Um, so yeah, that's very, very skill-based, um, and actually acceptance and commitment therapy, which you mentioned, which is, you know, we love our acronym, so ACT, <laughs> um, it is actually very prevalent to probably life coaches because what, one thing we focus on is values. Um, it's like, cause even whenever I have a client who's not really sure what they want to do with life or where they want to go, that we look at, well, what, what matters to you? And usually when you ask people what, what they value, they really don't know. Yeah. Um, and we actually have this great, like, usually there's like a deck of cards of like 10 different, or sorry, a hundred different words that are like family, security, um, adventure, connection, on, honesty, um, you know, being creative or um, knowledge. Like those kind of words are on those cards. And then we, we do a, an activity where we kind of, you pick what cards matter to you and then you kind of separate which ones don't and then you narrow it down to 10 and then you narrow it down to what are you, how listing them. And usually what you come up with is like kind of your top three or four values. And those can kind of be very telling, especially in, at least in the mental health realm that, you know, say if family and home, which a lot of people always put those family and friends, home um, and connection or, or just stability and those are like your top four values, but you're not actually connecting with your friends or some, one of those values are, is missing in your life right now. It's going to cause, you know, you to struggle. And you just, it's very clear sometimes like what people pinpoint and then you can see like, oh, well, well you're not nurturing these values, that the things that actually matter to you. So it makes sense that you're not doing so good right now, right. you know, emotionally or mentally. Um because, yeah, every so often people, and I work in downtown Chicago, so people put, like, nature. And I'm like, you live in, <laughs> in, like, a downtown area of a major city, which, quite frankly, I mean, there's lots of, there's trees and stuff. But, like, it's kind of cold for, you know, with all the concrete everywhere. Right. Um, but it's like, so, wait, you, it's really surprising sometimes when that one shows up. And you're like, okay, well, you're not really in nature, are you? <laughs> Maybe it's time to connect with nature. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah, I'm in New York yeah. City, so I, I completely get what you're talking about. There's yeah. basically Central Park, and that's about it. Um, everything else yeah. is just like a concrete, uh, you know. Uh, it, it's yeah. it, There's no way to be able to get that unless you travel way, way out of the yeah. city. So I guess if that does turn up to be a value, then um, yeah. then that's, that's obviously really insightful because then you can gear the conversation that way. And actually, so that's, that's one thing that I, I hope listeners are – are getting from this example that you just gave with the putting your values on cards. Um, I spoke to another therapist who mentioned mm -hmm. sand tray therapy and not for children necessarily, but for adults. And mm -hmm. I found that, <clears throat> I found that fascinating because 
I think what that has in common with with what you just mentioned is that sometimes adding a physical, you know, a, a somatic component to mm-hmm. a conversation can really unlock a lot of um, a lot of core, you know, psychological whether you want to call them values or truths or, or whatever you want to characterize yeah. them as, but it can really uncover a lot of important information that simply speaking um, often doesn't. And the reason for that might be, you know, there might be some repressed emotions that that the individual is um, is is guarding, whether you know it's unconscious, of course. Um, and having a physical component, I think, can help to bypass some of those mental um i guess tricks mm-hmm. that the mind plays on itself to to guard itself from those feelings and so i obviously yeah. there there are some domains and i want to be very clear about this there are some domains of psychotherapy that coaches have no business delving in um and and they very explicitly shouldn't but there are some <laughs> that i feel could be instructive so for example adding a physical mm-hmm. component to a discussion there's absolutely yeah. nothing wrong with with you know considering doing that in your own coaching practice if that's what you feel is going to help the client see more clearly or express more clearly their values um so and also see like what's in there what i usually like to ask clients like what are you pretending you don't know or what are you pretending is in your way yeah you know because some lot of we know the answer to the you know the question like well how do i get from point a to point b but there's something that like, well, I'm pretending I need to have the perfect cover letter or I'm pretending or think that I need to like some lie we're telling ourselves that's like, well, I'm not good enough. So therefore I can't like, yeah. well, based on what? Yeah. So it's yeah. kind of like, yeah, bringing that some sort of physical aspect in too. Yeah. It's, it's really fascinating how the mind works in that sense. Oh, um, yeah. You know, it's, you know, you would think the old classical idea of therapy, you're, you know, the cartoon where the person's just sitting on the couch and the therapist mm-hmm. is, you know, just, it's just talk. Um, and I'm glad that right. obviously that's an old antiquated kind of way of looking at it that doesn't really exist um, too much anymore. But, but it's always nice to have these discussions, especially when you're approaching your career from a different perspective altogether, like coaching, you know? Um, yeah. That's, I think when you have that interplay, when you have that cross where you're borrowing a lot of useful techniques from one um, you know, from, from one kind of domain to another, I think that's, that's really how you grow a, yeah. a field. So I'm really grateful that you brought that up. Yeah. And also on that note too, just real quick is that I think with act, there's a lot of, there's things called like diffusion and imagery they use where it's like, if you imagine something as like, you know, your depression, for example, or if your anxiety is like a spiky ball, you have a lot more with that imagery. You can kind of see it and, and imagine it getting smaller and have hmm. like some kind of mind over matter feelings. It's like, okay, you can calm yourself down in a lot of different ways and control how you're seeing something that's actually, when you put it outside of you, yeah, you know, yeah. you kind of say like, my anxiety is not me as a person. It's just something I'm experiencing. Right. Um, so yeah, those, just kind of making a lot more things abstract. Yeah. It becomes a, a lot less just talk. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so again, I, I wanted to to go back to to yeah. COVID because I think COVID mm-hmm. is not only the reality right now, but it's going to remain the reality for for the foreseeable future, even after the vaccine. I think yeah. a lot of the a lot of the challenges and issues that COVID has has brought to light are kind of um, here to stay. So. 
Um, I want to I want to ask you how has well two part question how has COVID impacted um, cityscape counseling in particular um, how have you guys yeah. worked to you know work around it or work with it and you personally I mean with, with regards to the clients that you see have you started to see a higher frequency of um, a certain set of type of clients or what kind of issues have you seen it brought up. Um, I mean, for one, yeah, with Cityscape, I mean, obviously we went all virtual to telemedicine mm-hmm. um, or teletherapy or whatever we want to call it. It's all over, you know, Zoom or, or Skype or whatever platform you end up using, um, which is weird. You know, we kind of address that with our clients straight away. Like, yeah, this is kind of weird. Like, I'm in my living room, you're in your car or wherever, and we're doing therapy. Um, and some clients don't feel comfortable with the video, so we do it over the phone. Um but yeah, it, a lot of it is oddly kind of dependent on like insurance too. If insurance is covering it, the virtu- the, te- the telemedicine, which thankfully all of them are at the moment, um, that's like, well, we're we as a practice right now are kind of like we're not going back till 2021 because it's just not safe, you know. Uh, especially living in a major city, I'm sure you can relate. Is that like our clients will come in on public transportation? You know, yeah. it's a lot of exposure. That's their anxiety. It's our anxiety, and our offices are not that big. You know, and doing therapy and masks feels very disconnecting because um, you can only see the eyes. You can't really see the expression. Um, and, yeah, so we're pretty much staying virtual and at home um, ourselves just till at least the new year. And something that the practice, you know, since you did ask how it's affected us, it's been very fascinating to see just how, you know, we're trying to stay connected, too. Because initially, I think about when we left in March, there were like, 13 of us and then we had we had hired new people who were slowly coming on like we had hired them in january and so by now we have like 18 of us but in a zoom call like that's very disconnecting because like i don't know who these other new people are because they're not talking um so we adapted and actually have made smaller pods um in order just to be more connected to each other and feel like we're in these smaller groups and then we'll rotate um but still talking to each other just as co-workers because we've definitely felt or i felt rather that those small interactions that, you know, you have in the office or that any job where you're on your way to the bathroom and you just stop and ask your coworker how their weekend was like, those things are very nurturing, you know, they're very, you know, connecting and we're not having any of those right now. Um, yeah. And kind of recognizing that like those were important. Yeah. That is one uh, of those. So yeah. yeah. I didn't mean okay. to interrupt you, but I, I was just yeah. going to say that that is one of the silver linings of COVID is that it has brought to light those those things we took for granted before that we just yeah. considered a part of day-to-day life, like you just mentioned, that hallway conversation that lasts 30 seconds. Um, now it's... Or you not, commute, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, all those things that, um, you know, even things that we considered hindrances before. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, uh, yeah, imagine you're, you're on a commute. Imagine you're on a commute yeah. for, for 45 minutes and it's it's a drag. But then when you no longer have it, now now you're stuck at home the whole day. And so, um, yeah. you know, let's say you listen to a podcast on your way to work. Let's say that mm-hmm. that was your only quiet time throughout the whole day because you have yeah. two kids at home and you have a crazy work life. And, you know, it's all these things that um, I guess you you just learn to see as kind of the humdrum things of, of everyday life. But it turns out once they're taken away from you, it turns out that they're much more crucial and much more critical and you relied on them much more than you thought you did. 
So oh, definitely. Like yeah. we, we decompress from our jobs on our commutes, you know, Absolutely. that just downtime getting home. I think, yeah, you're right. Even just listening to music and, and drowning out, it doesn't, it just, it was very therapeutic rather than turning, closing the laptop and going to the kitchen. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. We thought it was convenient because we're saving money on gas or on, on the CTA or, or whatever public transportation it is. Like, but yeah, we're, we're still missing that piece. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, you asked about the clients too that are coming in. Yeah. Um, I mean, we definitely have had an increase in like, I'd say around like May and June when people have kind of like, yeah, this is what therapy is right now. Um, is that they're just willing to do the virtual thing rather than wait to come in. Uh, but a lot of it has kind of been just still some day-to-day stuff. I mean, definitely in the beginning, people are struggling with the, the symptoms just like of COVID. Um, of just the, the fear, the anxiety, they're not like, everybody has a different definition of like what's kind of okay to do and what they're comfortable with. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're kind of seeing people struggle and as many of your listeners may imagine is that like, you know, it's not our original like kind of suggestions for, oh, you're feeling really depressed. Well, you should go out and like, you know, be social more or, you know, go join a, a, cl- a, <laughs> so, a club or a sport or something. Like, you can't do so that anymore. So much for that, right. Yeah, or just like, oh, you lost your job, well, let's go on and find a new one. Like, that's not as easy as it once was. Um, so we're seeing people really struggle with the fact that, yet yeah, it, it's the normal solutions are no longer, you know, viable right now, or they're 10 times harder than they once were. Right. Um, we're seeing a lot of that kind of show up. Um, and, I mean, people also just the state of the country and the world is just overall depressing, you know, and having to kind of find ways to manage your news intake just because that's a form of self care is because like, sometimes if you look away just for a while, you have to take care of yourself so you can kind of keep going. Yeah. Well, that is a conversation that can last a long time if we had the (laughs) time to get into that. Um, Absolutely. I I wanted to also ask about those clients that are remote. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, Aside from the fact that you just mentioned that there are some solutions that you can no longer suggest, keeping that aside for a second, have you noticed a an increase or a decrease in how effective um, therapy has been now that you are removing that face to face, you know, you know, physical presence, which come on, I mean, in the end, we are still we're human, we we thrive yeah. on that face to face connection. And especially somebody who is struggling through something they're they're even less um, able to, um, you know, overcome that 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 lack of human connection that's that's yeah. so obvious by by being on Zoom or, or what have you. So, have you noticed that sessions have been, um, I guess, less effective, or, or or in some cases even more effective? Because um, I guess in theory, right, if somebody is on Zoom yeah. looking at you. Um, well, they're not wearing a mask versus if you were wearing a mask, yeah. you can't see their face. You can't see anything. All you can see is, like you said, their eyes. So how has that worked out? Um, I mean, it, it definitely like, so it kind of has its pros and cons. I mean, I'd say there's still some effectiveness because we're still kind of talking about the same thing, regardless of if we're, you know, face to face or not. Because I mean, technically on Zoom, we are face to face. But <laughs> I think that kind of like what I said with the values and using those cards, like that's gone. Um, there's little things like that. Like sometimes we'd use, yeah, like very, ex- you know, experiential like things where like, oh, well, you know, like take this piece of paper and write anxiety and hold it up and in front of your face. And can you see anything? Cause anxiety is in your way. Like people, you can't do those types of like, little activities that people kind of have a lot of aha moments from. 
Um, but at the same time, definitely another con, I think, and I've heard all the therapists kind of say this is, you know, not everybody has the best video quality. Mm. And there's been times you're talking to someone and you can't see obviously all the details, but they may be crying and you can't Gosh, always do that. That and, must be so frustrating. Yeah, and you're like, oh, I wish, you know, and sometimes expressing the frustration with them. It's like, I wish I was there with you so, you know, we could just, you know, sit in this and work through this, you know. But it feels this, this level of disconnection. It's like acknowledging it definitely helps. Um, but, yeah, that's definitely been more than frustrating. Um, but on the flip side, I think there have been some just interesting pros, too. Um, it's definitely – I've had a number of clients who have moved out of Illinois reach back out to me and say, you know, like, I want to do therapy again, but I haven't found a new person, but I saw you for two years, so, like, can I see you again? And the answer is yes, you know. Um, A lot of states are providing um, temporary licensing because of the major crisis, Um, and so I'm, like, able to see them virtually. Um, And that's been kind of a huge plus because you're able, like, to pick up and and kind of have some consistency there. And I I especially think that, like, it's been a unique experience in respects. Like, I I really can only think of 9-11 being the only other thing that compares where therapists are experiencing the same major crisis as their clients are at the same time. Right, right. Um, And even that was mostly in New York. Um, But to think that, like, I'm going through it, too, or like, yeah, I'm going sluggish, too. But then they're also seeing me at home, you know, and like (laughs) there's some interesting kind of and obviously we we do what's called self-disclosure when it's only the benefit of the client and therapeutically helpful. But there's moments where like, you know, there it's become a bit more, I think, seeing therapists more as people because we're in our homes, too. You know, I have cats and they love to jump in the middle of sessions. They just show up. (laughs) Um, So things like that have just been also a little bit more like connecting you know mm, they're interesting. in an interesting therapeutic way that we never would have gotten before yeah i would have never think, expected that that as a consequence yeah. you know like it kind of keeps you both on the same playing field it's it's no longer you know i'm a you know professional in a professional setting and you're a client mm-hmm. coming to my office it's i mean it still very much is that yeah but it's the the outward appearance as you just said um i think would probably help a lot of the the buy-in from the from the person that you're speaking to, um, it seems more yeah. authentic that way. If they see that, well, you're in your living room just like I am, right? Right, so, right. That's interesting. And I've seen a lot more people kind of also, and not that they didn't before, but more clients asking like, "Well, how are you doing?" Because mm. um, they're realizing, "Yeah, I'm going. I'm in the same city as you are. I'm going through the same <laughs> thing as you are." You know, and sometimes I joke with them like. Yeah, you can't focus, neither can I. You know, people can't focus right now. That's kind of a symptom everyone's experiencing. Wow. wow. Yeah. Those are yeah. actually really interesting silver linings that you just brought up. And I haven't, yeah. you know, I've spoken to, to therapists about COVID, but um, those are pretty unique ideas that, that you just brought up. And I, I think that last one is especially cool because sometimes the best therapy is trying to provide it for someone else. It's a, it's a really strange mm-hmm. phenomenon that sometimes people are able to help others with with their own challenges um but they're unable to do it to themselves and um and and yeah i mean somebody just simply asking you how you're doing must be it must um it must i I think help them tackle their own challenges as well Yeah. yeah and also just i mean even the like kind of you know connection of saying you know this does suck 
yeah, I'm in it too. You know, I don't like this either. You know, just kind of like agreeing, like, no, I, I'm in the same boat as you, <laughs> you know, and so in so many respects, but just having that, like, no, I actually, I do get it. You know, when you say like, oh, I'm struggling with everything going on. It's like, no, I understand. And yeah, it's a <laughs> yeah. different type of connection that we otherwise wouldn't necessarily be like, oh, well, I'm suffering from depression too or something like that. We yeah. wouldn't go like, you know, obviously, but just this is a very unique situation where that level of connection is actually helpful, I think. Absolutely. That's that's a very interesting perspective. Um, all right, Jen. Uh, well, that was really, really informative. I think listeners are going to get a lot out of all the stories you've shared. Um, the I, I think it's encouraging that... Um, that you know, you and and cityscape in general, and therapists in general, I should say, are, are finding ways to to be adaptive in the face of of COVID. I think that's kind of uh, poetic in a way. I mean, that's that's yeah. kind of the 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 conversation sometimes that that is had between I can especially say coaches and clients, and I'm I'm assuming therapists and clients as well is that adaptability, that resilience, mm-hmm. um, and so you guys are clearly uh, doing that as well. So. Yeah, thank you so much for your time. And I want to yeah, give you the chance to to share with the audience how they can find you and find out more about your work. Yeah, um, you just find me at uh, cityscapecounseling.com, one word. Um, and kind of also, there's tons of resources there. There's, you know, we have, I believe, total 18 now, uh, different therapists. Um, there's definitely a lot of resources as well. Uh, the majority of my coworkers uh, do work with eating disorders. Um, so there's a lot of resources there just for a variety of things. Um, but yeah, we have a great blog where we're kind of just always posting about, you know, kind of helpful ways to cope with anything mental health related. Um, so it's a good thing to follow or Instagram. Um, I personally am the one who helps create the images, um, for Instagram, which is usually just tips or just positive thoughts or just validations, um, which is going to be, uh, cityscape Chicago on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Well, that was that was uh, a lot to take in. So much value. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm actually impressed that you guys are all over the social media spectrum. You got the Pinterest, the Facebook, the Twitter, the Instagram. Yeah. Damn, I think Instagram is the most active because we really stay on top of that. But yeah, no, it's just it's a great way to reach people, even in small ways. You know, um, again, a lot of times I know therapy is intimidating and a scary thing to even like kind of make first contact or even send the first email or first phone call. But you know, just trying to make it less scary for people too. Yeah, breaking down those walls. That's that's yeah. perfect. Awesome. All right, Jen. Well, thanks again. And I look forward to learning more. And I think listeners will definitely get a lot of value. Thanks again. Yeah, thank you for having me. Okay. Take mm-hmm. care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Coaches Circle Podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening to our show just as much as we enjoyed making it. If you'd like to check out a complete listing of all of the episodes on our show, head on over to lifecoachpath.com slash podcast. See you on the next one.